Hey, if you got a Bible, I hope you do open it to Acts chapter 2. We are finishing up our series on the church today. And today's going to be our last uh, series message in that series. So we got a lot of work to do. And as you're flipping to Acts chapter 2, uh, I want to also let you know that we had a couple babies born in the last few days at Crosspoint. No, not like at Crosspoint, at the hospital, but the families go to Crosspoint. <laughs> That'd be a first. Um, but we have an OBGYN and a pediatrician here, so maybe we should try that sometime. Um, not today, but uh, Bo and Meredith Mobley had uh, their second child, a little girl, Charlie Marie. She is born. She was born Wednesday, I think, or Thursday, and she's home and doing great. And big brother Kilper, who is three years old, I think, is adjusting and uh, loving on his little baby sister. And then um, uh, uh, Brian and Carolyn Scannell's daughter Rachel had a baby yesterday. So that's another couple little babies into the fold. And for the first time in a few weeks, we've got uh, Christian Ogden here, and she is 35 weeks, kind of been on bed rest, sort of, but she's kind of breaking the doctor's orders, and I think her doctor might even be here today, so she's not here, doctor, Um, but she's 35 weeks along, kind of on sort of semi-bed rest, and waiting for their second child to come along, so um, congratulations to those new babies. Hey, um, I have thought long and hard on how to end our series of messages on the church. I hope that it has been beneficial. And if you've missed any of them, as Reynolds said, they're all on the website. You can just go and play them from there. We put all of the notes that um, we put a pretty good amount of time in just uh, putting up on the website. You can download them and check them out. But I've thought about uh, how to bring this to a close because we could spend a few more weeks on the church talking about the church and uh, and 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 uh, thinking about all of the things that we need to consider as a young congregation about the church and what it is to be part of the church. And, uh, and so I was really tempted to, to uh, re-preach, you know, the past four weeks. Have you ever been around a preacher does that? Well, remember a couple of weeks ago when I was saying, you know, like, yeah, I know, I don't say what you've got to say this week. So I'm going to avoid that temptation. And then I was uh, with Reynold and Terry on Friday, and they were asking me if I was ready for Sunday. I said, yeah, I think I'm going to preach through the whole book of Acts which um, is a long book, one of the longest books in the New Testament, 28 chapters. And so I didn't, I, then, you know, kind of late Friday afternoon, I thought oh, that might be a bit much. And so there's so much that I want to say today, but here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to resist the temptation to do that. And uh, today we're going to do something rather unusual. I am probably going to spend 75% of my time up here just reading Scripture to you. Because there's so much that I want to say. But there are these scriptures about how we should live together as a church that I think will say it so much more provocatively and poignantly and powerfully that today we're going to, for the most part, let scripture speak for itself. Of course, along the way, I'll make a few comments, but but I hope that, that, that the Holy Spirit does something unique for us as we end this series. So let's begin in Acts chapter 22. We're going to use that as a launching point. And I'm going to ask a question after that short passage of Scripture. And then we're going to, we're going to read through some selected passages in the New Testament on the church. This is the scene in Acts chapter 2 is the day of Pentecost. And what has happened as, ha, has, is... What had happened was, let me get that straight, what has happened at this point is that Jesus has lived on the earth, 
He has, he has been crucified. He had been in the grave for several days. He rose again from death and he thereby defeated death and our sin on the cross and made a way for all of those only those, not everybody, but only those who would repent and believe in Him. In other words, Jesus' death on the cross doesn't save everybody. It only saves those that respond to that. So just kind of knowing that Jesus is this person who died on a cross doesn't make you a Christian. You must respond to it and then begin to line up your life, not perfectly, but in under His authority. And so He dies for those that respond to Him and He comes back and resurrects from the grave, spends about 40 days on the earth, appearing to over 500, about 500 people, teaching them. And then He ascends into heaven and He tells His disciples very specifically to wait for Him in Jerusalem and this power and presence of God's unleashed presence of His Holy Spirit would come on the earth on this day of Pentecost and would be poured out on them. And so they do that. 120 are gathered together in this room in Jerusalem. The Holy Spirit is poured out on these early disciples and they then really are the first New Testament church in that moment. And then Peter gets up and speaks this message because these people were baptized with this Spirit of God and they were speaking in tongues and some of the people there thought that they were drunk and saying, who are these clowns? What are they doing? Are they drunk? It's only 9 o'clock in the morning. Peter gets up and preaches this amazing sermon where he explains what's going on and then he preaches the gospel to them. And it says that at that moment, about three uh, thousands of people came to know the Lord. And then we get this picture of the early church that gives us a glimpse of what community based on Christ living together as a church should look like. And it says this in Acts chapter 2 and verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. That means that they, 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 they were people that cared about the truth. The Bible, as we know it as the New Testament, had not been written yet. And so they are, they are listening to the oral teaching of the twelve apostles who later, some of them would become the authors of the New Testament, and they were also the ones who would preach Christ out of the Old Testament. So they're not people that got together because they liked certain types of music, or because they liked to dress a certain way, or because they liked you know, uh, self-help messages to help them kind of navigate through their life in modern-day Jerusalem. But all, all of those things might have been components of different groups, but they got together because of this, this body of truth, this message called the Gospel, which is a word that means good news. And the good news for them and for us is, is that there is a Creator who created us, and we willingly disagree obeyed and rebelled against him and the consequences of our rebellion brought sin and death which all of us are acquainted with we all know that things are not like they should be and all of us whether we live in whatever culture from whatever epoch and history know instinctively that we need rescuing from this this way that we live and the good news is is that God himself in the form of His Son, comes and lives the life that we could not live, and then takes our sin, the punishment that should have been ours, upon Himself, dies for us, so that all who would believe in Him and repent and turn to Him and trust in Him would receive eternal life and incredible joy as they follow Him. And that was 
the gospel. That is the good news. And that is the central teaching of the church. In fact, it's really the only teaching because everything flows out of that. That is our message. That is why we are gathered here today. We are here today not because we believe in a moral code or because we need seven steps, seven steps on how to be better people or because we need to know how to fill up our cars more efficiently. We, we're here because we instinctively know that we need a Savior and Christ is that Savior and that is the good news. It's the message of the Bible and it's the heartbeat of Christianity and that's what these people were centered on. And then it says that they broke bread and they prayed and in verse 43, an awe came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And, and listen to this now. And then the Lord... Look, it doesn't mention that they went out and like did some evangelistic crusade, although I think those are good things to do, just by this rhythm of life that they got into, by their belief in the good news of Christ, by their worship, gathered worship, and then their scattered gathered times in each other's homes. They would go and worship in the temple. Then they would get together in each other's homes and they would break bread and pray and God would just be in them and they were living in this way, this rhythm of life that, that, that seemed to have this aroma about it that attracted people and it says there that thousands of people and then it's, there's the last sentence and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved and then the book of Acts continues and in fact in the beginning of the book of Acts this, this new way of living this church is not called Christianity in fact at the beginning it's called the way because this group of people were identified by the way they lived for Christ more than just what they believed. And so it continues through the New Testament and they begin to be the church. So here's the question as we read a few scriptures and then respond to God in worship and communion and prayer. Given all that we've talked about in the last four weeks, what a church is, what should be important to a church, who should lead the church, the theology of a church, the mission of a church. What does it look like for us? What should it look like for us? Well, let's go to Romans chapter 12. That's where we'll begin to read Romans 12. And if you don't want to flip around, we're going to have all of the scriptures up on the screen. And then we'll post all of this on the Internet tomorrow as well. Romans chapter 12. And let's, let, let's just let the scriptures do most of, of the talking today. Listen to this. Romans 12, verse 9. Let, let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another. And you'll see that phrase, one another, over and over and over again in these scriptures. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. 
Be patient in tribulation. Now, if I could add a parenthesis there, it's don't be these goofy Christians who just walk around with these religious sayings all the time, acting as if tribulation or trial is some indicator of lack of faith or whatever. That is the goofiest thing, and it's like seized a large part of American Christianity. This, it's just goofy. Like stuff happens, man, and 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 we we. We live in a way that we are patient in it, and it, it even in our trials, it becomes a witness and a, a, a reflection of God to a world that, that sees how we go through that, and it says, be patient in that, be constant in prayer. Be constant in prayer. Gather together regularly. Come tonight, Reynolds mentioned it, we don't pray enough as a church. But we vote, like we have all these, like the Christian church in America has been co-opted by a Republican conservative movement, and so we care more about prayer in schools, but we don't pray in church. I mean, (laughs) I'm sorry, I'll get off your toes, and I'll back up a little bit. Be constant in prayer. We should pray for each other. We should not hold back. Praying for one, it should just be what we do. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Open your homes. Oh, it's awkward, I know. And, and, and can we, let's just do this. Most of us have kids, and therefore most of us have dirty houses. <laughs> can we just say it's okay to have a dirty house and invite somebody over for uh, dinner or lunch at Crosspoint. If you're coming up to my crib, there will be some Captain Crunch ground into some chair or some carpet. Okay, this is just so you know. All right. All right. And there will be a couple dust balls in the corner. And that's just the way we roll at the Casa de Evangelista. It's, I mean, like we spend all this time cleaning and preparing and it prevents us from actually being good Christians. <laughs> all right. Verse 14. Let's keep going. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Let's make this verse real. You know, we tend to think, ah, you know, like persecution, Roman Empire. No, you ever had a friend who talked bad about you to another friend? Those two, you might even be in the room right now with that person. How do you respond to that? Our general way is to triangulate and go to another friend and kind of like, ah, oh, can you believe that they're doing this, blah, 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 blah. You know, kind of gather your, marshal your support. I mean, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be conceited. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink, for by so doing you will heap burning coals on his head. That sounds kind of harsh, but let me just kind of translate that. What that's saying is, hey, listen, God is a just and righteous God, and he makes all things right in the end. So let's leave it up to the author and the finisher of our faith to correct injustices along the way. And let let God handle that. In verse 21, Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil 
with good. Let's keep going. Galatians chapter 6. Just keep turning to the right after Corinthians, 1st and 2nd Corinthians. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. Listen to this verse. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, get on your phone tree and call a bunch of people and, and ask, can you imagine that they are doing that? What, let's call another person and tell, oh, I'm sorry, that, I must be reading from a different version here. It says, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. What does that look like in a church? Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens. B-E-A-R, bear. Not B-A-R-E, like make wide open, like, hey, he's having a hard time. Poor slap, you know, I mean, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And, 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 and this is a little Jedi mind trick for you. If you have a burden that you need help with, let other people in this room help you bear that because when you do that, you help them fulfill the law of Christ. So if you are going private with all of your stuff, then you are preventing people in this room from being good Christians. I know that's a little do 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 I mean, but, but think about it. Bear one another's burdens and fulfill the law of Christ. Let's, let's be real with one another. Call somebody. Get, let them know. Get, get prayed for. Don't, don't carry it with you and go in and out of this room playing ninja, n- never really opening up your life. Look, we are all jacked up. Everybody's normal until you get to know them. Bear one another's burdens and fulfill the love of Christ. For if anyone thinks he's something, when he's nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own, Lord, own load. Verse 6, one who has taught the word must share all good things with one who teaches. Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, he will also reap. For the one who sows to his flesh will reap, will, from the flesh will reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. In verse 9, And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone. And then there's this little tagline on the end of that, which I've always thought was peculiar, but it makes a lot of sense. And especially to those who are of the household of faith. In other words, your head should especially be on a swivel to bless people within the church. Why? Is it because we want to go inclusive and not care about people outside of the church? No, because the world is watching how we treat each other. And the best thing that we could do as a witness and a reflection of God's grace to the world is really take care of each other and not bite each other. Oh, that, that's, that's, that's beautiful. Let, let's, let's keep going. Ephesians. Next, chapter over, next book over, Ephesians 4. Verse 1. Man, there's some, there's some young men in here that need to hear this. Ephesians 4, verse 1. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, Ephesians 4, verse 1, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Like, it matters what you do, man. It matters. Well, let's walk in a manner worthy with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager 
to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But walk in that unity. Let's keep going in, in Ephesians. Go to Ephesians chapter, chapter 5. Let's start in, in verse 15. Ephesians 5, verse 15, it says, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of time, because the days are evil. We live in a culture that is addicted to recreation. And Christians, we fall, we, we like just go along with that modern day Babylon. We just, yeah, let's just go do stuff. Make the best use of time because the days are evil. Verse 17, therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And don't get drunk on wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Addressing one, listen to this, listen to As I read this, think about how foreign this is to the way that we actually do church. It says, Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Okay, that's weird. Reynolds, I just want you to know (laughs) that God is sovereign. (laughs) He reigneth, he reigneth. Hallelujah. I mean, it's, you know why it's so odd though? is because spiritual intimacy for us is so foreign. Because we don't know how to do it. Because we, we're satisfied with kind of arm's length community. How beautiful, I mean, we wouldn't actually do that. I'm not saying we're going towards what I just did right there. But what would... Some of you are like, never coming back. <laughs> never. <laughs> when the dude starts singing to me in my living room, that's my cue to get out of this mug right here. No, no, no. What, what would it look like if people like regularly gathered together in their homes and they just, they just sang the doxology? Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. What if a group of eight or ten regularly gathered to sing ancient hymns of faith like that? Oh, and they did that on Tuesday nights or Thursday nights and they, they lived life together. What Do you realize how much more sustaining and powerful that is than than Grey's Anatomy or American Idol or the fourth edition of SportsCenter rerun the same day. Do do you realize that you need that, that that there's something in your soul, in my soul that needs that, man. And if we don't have that, we grow anemic and weak and the first time a tribulation comes, we are knocked off our high horse. And we're weak. And we rely on the charisma of one or two people to make the ship go because we've got a service to do on Sunday. That is not 
church. Gather together and sing and speak and minister and pray for singing and making melody to the Lord with all your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your own husbands. As to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now the church, as the church submits to Christ, this is so important, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. A wildly unpopular topic in modern day America. There are two extremes. There's this feminism that is a reaction to male sin of chauvinism. And because men sin and because men are broken and because men are selfish and have not led in a Christ-like way, it has given rise to female sin of feminism trying to usurp and be in roles that they were not designed to be. And the biblical faithful middle ground is the man being the humble, gracious, self-sacrificing leader who leads in a way that makes it a joy for his wife to submit to. And that submission is not a domination over, but it is a protective way that she loves her husband. And that is, that is the biblical way. So the onus is on the men in this room to lay down their lives, to be gentle warriors, to be protectors, to be providers, to be men with hands that are pierced and sides that are slashed and crowns of thorns who carry crosses and lay down their life so that the women and the children are first, always first. And that reflects something. To a young lady who's 16 years old, who's been mistreated all her life by men, who is showing her belly and piercing her body and and giving herself, longing for appropriate self-sacrificial male attention. And she sees it. She sees a kid in a youth group who kind of knows how to treat women. And she says, oh, I long for that. And then she comes and she hears the good news of the gospel. And she realizes that men are gentle protectors. They are not domineering takers and it is the good way it is the right way it is the gospel way but we need men who will see this as absolutely essential in building a culture that's a church that's a church that's a church young men young husbands you are the priest of your home you are the pastor of your children you are the leader of your wife lay down your life for them And let it be an aroma in the church. This biblical masculinity that makes all things go like they should. If you haven't noticed, my priority is men. And by making men a priority, I think I'm in the best way serving women. The best thing that we can do for the women in this city and in this church is to Create a culture where men can be self-sacrificial and appropriately biblically masculine. And it's the best thing I can do for the women. Men, 
Help us create a culture where this is lived out. Colossians chapter 12, chapter 3, verse 12. A few more, then we'll be done. Colossians 3, verse 12. Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. Bearing with one another. If anyone has a complaint against one another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all of these, put on love which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body, and be thankful. Oh, Look, there, there, there just may be something going on right now in your heart and the Holy Spirit is making you realize that you have been relatively gratitude-free lately and you just need to express thanks. You need to express thanks for your wife or your husband or a particular friendship or somebody that's serving in this church and you need to, you need to, you know, you need to thank the nursery person who's working and laboring today. You need to thank Paul and the guys who labor. You just... You need to, it, just this, this aroma of thankfulness that just rises out of a place. That's what churches look like. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Verse 16, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. Singing psalms, there it is again. <laughs> and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your heart and whatever you do in word or deed. Do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Keep going. First Thessalonians chapter five, verse twelve. Oh, I love this one. First Thessalonians chapter five, verse twelve, it says, We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Let me just say you guys you do that, man. I, I feel I feel so loved. I know Reynolds feels so loved. Will, I know he feels loved and appreciated. Paul feels loved. I mean, just thank you for how you, how you love us highly. And it goes on. It says, be at peace among yourselves. And we urge you, brothers, listen, let me read these next couple of verses and then think about how, how very little this actually happens. And then let's pray that it would in our context. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idol. How does that conversation go in church in 2009? Um, I notice, Jimmy Bob, that you are relatively lazy and undisciplined and idle. Um, I don't see you growing. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I don't have the answers how that works. But can we? What if we just cared? What if we were so connected that if we knew that a friend was just sort of stagnant and He's not, he's not sinning, necessarily. Like, he's not bankrupting his life with some vice. He's just, he's just kind of living, another word for idol there is undisciplined. He's just living an undisciplined life. And we, we, we just, we, we, we admonish that guy. Bro, where are you? Where's your heart? Are you okay? Can we get together for lunch? Can I pray for you? 
It just seems like, I don't know, when I look at you and I talk to you, man, you just, you're kind of there, but you're not there, man. Are you loving your wife? Are you putting her first? Are you, are you washing the feet of your children? Are you, are you, are you, are you in it to win it, man? Come on. Are you there? Are you there? And men in this room need to have those conversations with each other. And women in this room need to have those conversations with each other. But in a grace-filled way so that we don't become like the spiritual police. It's hard, man. It's hard. I know it's hard. And it's easier to watch American Idol. It's much easier. It's much easier. But it's not biblical. Admonish the idol. Encourage the faint-hearted. This world is broken. People are nervous. People are scared. People need encouragement. They need prayer. They need to be assembled around. People need encouragement. Encourage the faint-hearted. And all of us go through faint-hearted stages monthly. Help the weak. Help the weak. Be patient with them all. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Let's keep going quickly. 1 Timothy chapter 5 barely needs any commentary at all. Just gives a brief snippet of how generations and genders should interact with one another. First Timothy five. This is this is just a picture of the church. It says, Do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father. Young punk with its stonewashed jeans and the soul patch and the messed up hair that somehow or another became the way to wear your hair. The old cat that maybe does it a little bit differently and who's kind of like the curmudgeon. Respect him. Respect him. Treat younger men like brothers. So old cat <laughs> with, you know, your hair actually combed and your shirt actually tucked in and you have a job and you pay taxes and an electric, electric bills and mortgages and you're just looking at the young dude and you're like, I just want to kick him in the rear. Treat him like a brother. Talk to him gently but strongly. Come around him. Get to know him. Cross that divide. Treat the older women like mothers. Open doors for them. Call them ma'am. Honor them. Look them in the eye. Stand up straight when you address them. Treat the younger women like sisters. College kid. Don't check out the girl in here and undress her with your eyes. Look at her as a sister and treat her that way in all purity. Let's keep going. Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 10. This is what the church does. This is what it looks like. These are snapshots of the church. Hebrews 10, we're ending here in just a moment. Hebrews 10, verse 19. Therefore, brothers... Since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, in other words, because we're Christians and because Christ has removed our sin as far as the east is from the west and, and the guilt game is over and now we have been made new creations with this confidence, not that we are perfect now, but what we are on this 
unreversible process of sanctification in God by, because we have that confidence in God by a new and living way that He opened for us through the curtain, that is, through the flesh. And since we have a great high priest, meaning Jesus, over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled. Can you, can you picture this? Just how beautiful and profoundly encouraging this is that we draw with a true heart and full assurance of faith we draw near with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful verse 24 listen to this and let us consider in other words let us spend time thinking about let us let us, let us actually like meditate on how to stir up one another to love and good works. What? Like you're over in the corner just being quiet. Hey, bro, what are you doing? Oh, I'm just like, I'm meditating on how I might intersect Paul's life to stir him up to good works. Who does that we, we should we should what does that look like I don't know maybe you plan it in your day it is your it's your holy intersection time it's your divine appointment moment it's like I'm what are you what are you doing don't bother me now I'm considering how I might stir this person on I mean th- just think of the think of the special forces ninja strategery that's involved in that like what are you doing? I, I am I am thinking about how I might subversively bless this brother and sister in my life. Ha! That's better than Sports Center. That's better than American. It's better But it, but it takes work. Like what does that look like? Not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some. Now, let me just stop here. I, I watch American Idol occasionally. Okay. Full con- just true confession because if I don't get that out, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to feel real guilty about it and have to spend the rest of the week repenting. Um, it's, just, it's, it's just a way of living, like prioritizing our lives to where God is central and the community is on our heartbeat, not, not just stuff. Okay. Not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. And we end with this. Go to James and we're done. <clears throat> James 5. James 5, verse 13. Is any... Like we could spend all day just doing like a systematic teaching of the church and... This is what it should look like, and this is exactly how it should be. But I hope what you're getting here is a picture from the New Testament of what, what, it, just, what it should look like. And here's one of the most powerful pictures of what it should look like. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. And let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, 
he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. In other words, people just like us, God uses to to impact one another in this world. And so pray for one another. And finally, and then don't even flip there. Let me just read this to you. 1 John 3. Verse 11, it says, For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We should not be like Cain, who is the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brothers righteous. And his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. In other words, each other. Whoever does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life and abiding in him. Verse 16, by this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and therefore we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. What should it look like? What should a church that is doctrinally well and missionally well and structurally well, which all that can be in place, like we can be the most biblically like formed, exact, most correct expression. We can, every sermon can have every point right. We can get everything right on communion. We can get everything right on baptism. We can sing all the right songs to please all the right people. We can do all the little stuff. We can greet people well. We can shake the right hands. We can, we can have the right topping on the donut. We can, we can have the right cream flavor for the coffee. We can do children's ministry exactly right. We can do the shish bam boom ba. We can have all the technology. We can have a great website. We can, we can have a good parking system. Situation. We can be in the exact location where it's convenient for everybody. <laughs> we, can, we can do everything just right. We can have the perfect building. The bathrooms can be clean. The seats can be comfortable. The microphones can work right. The preacher's very... It can all be perfect. But it can be completely and utterly unbiblical. Or it can be a group of pardoned rebels who are rolling up their sleeves saying, I, you know, we we got to do this and that. But we have to live these scriptures out to the best of our ability and be the church. What does that look like? What does that look like? Let's pray. Lord, as we prepare to sing a few songs of response, I know that I am personally convicted and challenged by every one of these scriptures that I have read today and been thinking about this week and this question about what what really should it look like. And as I read the New Testament and as I examine what we do, I do sometimes sense a large gap between those two things. And so God, help us. Just help us. We I don't want to inappropriately beat myself up or beat us up, but God, help us. Would you help us? Would you, would you put a burning passion within the people that would call Crosspoint home or that are considering Crosspoint? Would you, would you stir within us 
a passion for just New Testament living? Would you, would you, would you move us beyond a Sunday morning event? And would you, would you give us a passion for, for biblical community that then becomes evangelistic community that people are instinctively drawn towards because then you see a place that you can trust and send souls to and and it just begins to grow in ways that we can't engineer. It's just organic and stuff starts sprouting and things start happening, but it's hard. It is hard. Church is not pretty. Church is not cool. Church is not relevant. Living biblically is not easy. And just take out of us this desire for comfort and relevance and attractiveness and sameness and comfort and prominence. God, remove it from us, I pray. And Help us be people that just insist on this tattered, organic, dirt on our hands way of toiling and striving together because I think that's what you're calling us to. God, help us just by your Spirit, just as you poured out your Spirit on that first church in Acts 2. God, would you poured out on us again and would it just be like a groundswell where people just say no you know what I, it is I'm just I'm in and I'm just gonna do I'm just gonna I'm gonna make these scriptures the way I've moved just the rhythm of my life and 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 let us not judge everything by how well it goes and how problem free it is because that's not reality and help us, God. Help the, help the men just get a sense of what it is to, to be a pardoned rebel husband who lays down his life. Just, just God, speak to him in ways that I can't. And God, to the, to the woman who has just been beat down or she has just inappropriately tried, God, just help her realize the beauty of the feminine soul and how it flourishes in environments where men are valiant and gentle. And God help us help us live help us have living rooms all across this church where where people are are looking each other in the eye and you know they're crossing racial boundaries and they're crossing relational boundaries and social economic boundaries and they're just they're doing the work of the New Testament church they're they're getting outside of themselves and they're they're striving for this God help me do that too Help me not, help me not just say it, but help me do it. And so God, however that hits us, I pray that we'd respond to that. However that hits us, I pray that we'd respond. Whether it's repentance, or praise, or confession, maybe you need to go to a friend in this room today and you need to just say, look man, I repent. Do it. And help us not be people that rush out, but uh, help us, help us. I pray if there's anybody sick in here, you got a situation you need to be prayed for. Come on, let's let's get over this little bashfulness that we still have here. Let's just come on, let's pray. A couple of us will be down to pray. Myself, Reynolds, Will, some of the other leaders in the church are welcome to come pray with folks or for folks. There's communion that's available for you, and that communion, it, those little pieces of bread, represent the broken body of Jesus. The juice represents the spilled blood of Jesus. And if you need to 
come and examine your life and you need to remember the cross and you need to, you need to just, just again just say, Jesus, thank you for dying for me and let me, let me realign my life in, under the shadow of the cross and you need to receive communion. Come on, do it, do it, do it. Come on. And if you need to sing today, sing. If you need to sit in your seat today with your head in your hands and you need to weep, weep. But let's roll up our sleeves and be dirt under the fingernail, callous on the hand, striving type of messy, beautiful Christians. Let's, let's just do that, whatever that looks like. And it looks a thousand different ways, but let's do it. In Jesus' name. Well, let's all stand.